Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. And we have a game day edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, which you know means that we're going to go across town to that uh, that un- unnamed, undisclosed, uh, undisclosed and unnamed location there for uh, for Ben McKee. And we're going to talk Tennessee hosting South Carolina. The, the Vols will be playing the Gamecocks about 1.9 miles from where I'm sitting right now, but I will be sitting on top of the stadium, as will Ben, 7.30 p.m. on SEC Network. It's going to be a fun one. It is a big one. It's uh, a game where two fan bases have already tasted a, a defeat they didn't expect this season. And so one of them, uh, come around midnight or so, uh, is going to be very, very unhappy and and have a season that already looks nothing like the one that they wanted it to be at this point. Uh, And then the other team gets kind of a shot in the arm, right? Boost of adrenaline going forward. You got a chance in this thing. So a big, big swing game as it's been for these programs the past 18 years. Um, you know, they've split the past 18 years. If you're Tennessee, you sit there and say, hey, you know, this is a better program than South Carolina. I'm not worried about South Carolina, worried about catching Georgia, worried about catching Bama. Well, my counter to that would be for the past 18 years, you've gone 9-9 against South Carolina. So that's a big one. That's a rival. That's a big one. That is one that uh, can set your season in a couple of different ways. I can think of two times just in the past 10 years where a South Carolina football team has prevented Tennessee from playing for some sort of a championship or something big. So this is something that Tennessee needs to take care of. Uh, it's a it's a team that, that took Tennessee to the woodshed, shockingly, last season and kept Tennessee out of the college football playoff. I imagine Tennessee has a lot to play for in this game. So let's go on over right now and get to Ben McKee and ask him how the hell he's doing right now. Ben, how are you, bud? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Little, uh, you know, little, little tired. The the little man has not been sleeping well uh, ever since getting back from the the hospital. And uh, like last night, I was up doing work late. Uh, and I'm talking about Thursday night, and was up doing a couple of the things that we do always for Fridays and Saturdays. And I didn't get to bed till about three a.m. And then he woke up at like four ten, 
And I was thinking, I just can't deal with this right now. Uh, but then eventually got him to go to school and then caught a couple hours, shut eye, a little nap, and then back here at 10 a.m. recording and, and ready to go. Uh, so we're, we're, we're doing this thing. We're, we're getting this thing recorded. We're going we're gonna to get it done. We're going to be all right. Um, but you know what? When you love what you do for a living, it doesn't feel like work. And that's one of those things that I, I said that story that I said a minute ago just to say that there are days where even when we're having days like that, our jobs are so fun that that it's it, it doesn't feel like, you know, it's like, hey, at the end of the day, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to talk about sports. I'm going to write about sports. Uh, and it's a work. It's work. It's a job. It's professional. You got to, you know, I mean, it's not like it's all just sitting there watching games and drinking beer. But, I mean, it's, it's uh, we, we're blessed, Ben. We really are. We are very blessed, and Saturday night's game should be a fun one. Excited to see what the environment looks like. I think this comment has been made a couple of times throughout the week that it, it kind of feels like the 2021 Ole Miss game going mm-hmm. into it. Uh, just the the level of importance, and for different reasons. Obviously, that was year one of Josh Heupel. This is year three of Josh Heupel. Uh, so it, it's going to be an electric environment, and I I am very very excited to see what the atmosphere is like because that that's what makes college football right. Uh, the the hate in the hearts of the fans in the crowd, and and there will be a ton of hate for South Carolina. Uh, there there's no doubt about that, especially after how last year's game went in Columbia. So uh, it's going to be a really fun environment. You, you're not going to find a better environment in all of college football this weekend. And uh, very interested to see how this game plays out because it, it is a critical game for Tennessee. Tennessee has to win this game. Not not that it can't overcome two losses in September, but it's highly unlikely that Tennessee bounces back and, and gets the season uh, turned around if they go into October with losses to Florida and South Carolina already on the books. Uh, so th- this game, I've kind of been saying out, saying it all week in, in my writing and uh, in different audio forms. Th- this game is going to dictate, uh, in my opinion, how the rest of the season is going to go. Yeah, and, and I think you know it, it's a huge game for both pro- programs, and that's kind of a good segue to mention that we're going to be spending the second segment of this episode with our, our really good friend, one of my favorite people in our network, John Whittle, who covers South Carolina for the Big Spur. For those of y'all who read our the Better Know a Foe segments, the VIP subscribers, uh, when Tennessee's playing an opponent, I, I have kind of a, a, a fun Q&A with someone who covers the other team. And for, for guys who have personality, it's a really fun thing because I ask a lot of really dumb questions for fun. Uh, just to kind of throw things, throw people off balance. And uh, John is a super sport with all that stuff. He's he's a really, really good guy. The first time he and I met each other, we almost wanted to kill each other. That's a true story. But um, we uh, sensed- isn't that how most interactions go with you? That is absolutely not true. Um, but the, I mean, I, but that I could sit here, I could sit here and list off like double digit people that fit that same billing if if I wanted to. Maybe, but John John's was he, John's was interesting because John was every bit as mad at me as I was at him, and we're both guys who are like nice to most people most of the time. But when we get mad, we really get mad, and uh, we laugh about it now because that was like what a decade ago. But uh, we just still laugh about it to this day. And uh, now, like everybody else, he wishes me a happy birthday. That's way more years than I actually 
uh, have been on this earth. Um, but it's a big, big game for South Carolina too, and and we it's a good good place to remind everyone that we're going to be talking to John about that. However, um, it's much more of a free hit for South Carolina. Uh, this weekend than it is for Tennessee. There is infinitely more pressure on Tennessee. There's no two ways about that. Um, for all the good that Josh Heupel's done at Tennessee, and I think we can all see, generally speaking, where this program is going, right? I mean, you brought in Nico Iamaliava in the offseason. You've had some good recruiting classes. You're you're building better depth on defense. You're adding a lot of really fun skill players on both sides of the ball. Specialists are good. Like, we can see where this thing is going, right? Tennessee is going to be relevant. Tennessee is going to be competitive. But if this game in particular is lost, that's the second year in a row that South Carolina's beaten you. That would give you an 0-2 start to SEC play this season. Um, in a league where Georgia might not lose a game, so that that takes even if you're you still got to play a And M, you still got to go to Alabama, you still got to go to Lexington, you still got to host Georgia, you still got to go to uh, a Missouri team that all of a sudden might not suck. So I, I mean, you you've got so many potential pitfalls between now and and the end of the season that. If you lose this one, it really puts you in a tough spot, and it, it, it would be maybe the first time in the Hypo era that people start to ask serious questions that were going to make some people over there uncomfortable and put them in that spot where we've seen so many Tennessee coaches be in where uh, the, the natives, whether it's fair or not, they start to turn a little bit. And, and that's why for so many reasons – for so many reasons. It's not that Tennessee can't overcome a loss this weekend. I think Tennessee could, in the long term, overcome a loss this weekend, like in the big the grand scheme of the Hypo era. But for this season in particular, for the current vibes for a while, this one would be hard to overcome if they lost it because then you're going into a bye week off of that. Then you're hosting a dangerous but weird A&M team. Then you're going to Tuscaloosa. Things can get pretty, pretty dark here uh, if they lose this game for a little bit, I think. Yeah, they, they have SEC title aspirations. And if you lose this game, you're not going to win the East and you're not going to go to Atlanta. You are not going to make the playoffs. And obviously right now it seems very unlikely that Tennessee would go to Atlanta or uh, make the playoffs, uh, but it's still technically in play. And that has been the goals of, of this football team all offseason long is to – make it to the SEC championship game and make it to the college football playoffs. Uh, and I think that is how a lot of people are are still talking about Tennessee who cover Tennessee. I don't know that people outside of Knoxville are, are discussing Tennessee as a factor uh, to make the SEC championship game or the playoffs, but uh, that, that was the aspirations of, of this football program going into the season. And, and those aspirations are still obtainable. Uh, does does it look likely? Maybe not, but technically they can still go achieve those things. Uh, and, and there are reasons for optimism, but you want to see those reasons come to fruition in a win over South Carolina. You you, you need a little bit of hope to cling to. Uh, and if you lose this game, and I don't think South Carolina is bad, but I don't think that they're necessarily good either. They're, they're just, to me, kind of an average football team. They have their strengths. They have their weaknesses. Uh, and this is a game that Tennessee should win at home. The environment that it's going to have, some of the matchups that that are in their favor. Th- this is a 
about a must win as as you're going to get to a, a must win, if not 1,000% a must win. Uh, I, I just think it's so critical uh, to, to this season in particular, and, and that's still kind of how I'm shaping my conversations and, and my comments when I talk about Tennessee, uh, is in the realm of, of their aspirations of, of winning the East. And if you're going to win the East, you just simply have to win this game on Saturday night because you already lost to Florida in the swamp. You you can't afford an, another loss. Georgia is not losing two or three football games in the East this season. Uh, and there may not, you know, Florida and, and Kentucky, they, they have a leg up on you right now as well. Kentucky has won an SEC game. Florida has won an SEC game. Tennessee has not. So Tennessee has some ground to make up, and it starts on, on Saturday night. So there's obviously the, the the conversation about this season individually, but I also think if, if Tennessee were to lose on South Carolina, lose to South Carolina on Saturday night, then the program wasn't as far ahead of schedule as we maybe realized, and that it was truly the greatness of Hendon Hooker and some other players who were masking a lot of deficiencies. And if, if, if Tennessee loses to South Carolina – I will think that anybody calling for Josh Heupel and wanting him fired or, or anything along those lines would be dumb as H E double hockey sticks. Um, I, I think a loss would signal that this roster still has severe deficiencies that, that it's got to get figured out. And you, you can kind of already see the deficiencies of the roster uh, through the first four games of this season, but I think a loss would indicate that that those deficiencies were, were highlighted even more. Yeah, I, I think I, it's a this game is a is a must win. In I like the way you place that in the proper context. In my opinion, it, it, it's a game that must be won for this season. I don't think it it's a game that that ruins anything for the long term health of the program. The way they've recruited. Um, I mean, there's going to be kids there that for for visits that are going to be so blown away by the atmosphere that Tennessee could lose the game, and, and they're not really going to care. They they that's not how kids are. They're going to be like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and they'll see that Nico's the quarterback in the future, and then they're gonna they're gonna feel fine. Like I I'm not I'm not worried about it from that context, but um, it will make things uncomfortable. Uh, and this isn't a staff, and I and, and I give Heupel and his guys a lot of credit for this. Since Josh Heupel came to Tennessee, the mindset has often changed from one that you're constantly worried about what the other team can do to you into, well, what can I do to hurt the opponent? And, and that's been something that, as much as anything, to, to me has been a big part of the reason why Tennessee was able to kind of jump the curve and, and get ahead and get farther as a program than, than than maybe we would have thought. One, you had Hendon Hooker that helped, obviously. You know that that was a big plus. But they also just for years there, there were multiple coaching staffs who consistently worried about what people could do to them and how things could go wrong. And when you coach out of fear and, and you're tentative, I think players kind of respond to that. Now, when you coach with a pair, I think your team plays with a pair. And you saw some of the aggression that Hypo likes to play with, that warp speed stuff, going forward on fourth downs, doing all these other things, attacking on defense even when you don't have great personnel. Like, they do all that stuff. And and I think that's that's been reflective of the program's culture change. And so I don't think that – what I'm trying to say here is I think a lot of people are worried about the fallout of, of, of a potential loss in this game. And I don't think a guy like Josh Heupel, I don't think he's thinking about that one bit. I think he's thinking about 
looking at South Carolina and saying, where can I hurt these guys? Where can we go put 40 points or 50 points on these guys? That's how he's wired. And I'll be honest, Ben, I like that. Yeah, for sure. And if if Tennessee is going to win this football game, it starts in the trenches for me. Uh, Tennessee has to dominate defensively up front. Has to. It, it cannot come out and get punched in the mouth like it did in the first half at Florida. It, it just can't. Uh, and I, I do think that the second half in, in in Florida in the swamp is more representative of what Tennessee's defensive front is. I don't think they're near as poor as as they played in that first half in the swamp. Uh, that they have too many players playing good football right now to not be disruptive against a very bad South Carolina offensive line that that is banged up, that struggled with communication at Georgia. Uh, that they're going to be relying on some young players in the electric atmosphere on Saturday night. Tyler Barron, Omar Norman Lott, Amari Thomas, Aaron Beasley, James Pierce. I mean, we, we could go on and on and on. Bryson Eason, like those guys are playing football at a really high level and did so in the second half at Florida. And that's where it's got to start. It's got to start with the defense setting the tone and and matching the tone on the field with the tone that is in the stands and just really, really making life tough uh, on Spencer Rattler. That, that's a big challenge for Tennessee's defense. Rattler is is playing uh, as the best quarterback in the SEC right now, in my opinion, in terms of efficiency. When you look at what he's working with compared to what Jane Daniels at LSU is working with, Rattler has been very, very uh, impressive. And obviously the Tennessee secondary is, is still a huge question mark at this point. And now they have to worry about Xavier Leggett and, and some other pass-catching options for South Carolina. So Carolina doesn't run the ball well. Offensive line hasn't played well. That defensive front has to set the tone for this football game. And on the flip side, Tennessee offensive line is going to have to play well and give Joe Milton time to, to make the plays that he needs to. And they need to be able to run the football against the South Carolina defense that has struggled to stop the run. And we'll see. Aside from last week, last last week was kind of weird, in the sense that Mississippi State had been running the ball a ton, and then they get there and then they throw the ball a ton instead of running the ball. But uh, the, the the trenches, we we talked about it going into Florida, and they kind of got punked. They can't get punked again. Uh, I mean, this is and maybe with Cooper Mays and Gerald Mincy looking like they they may be back in the lineup, the offensive line takes a nice step forward. It's got to. Uh, along with the defensive front being disruptive if if they're going to win this football game. Yeah, like plays like that that fourth and one there in Gainesville in the second half, that that those moments can't happen. Um and, and I we we could sit here all day and talk about, you know, how ridiculous it was that the official kicks the football, Florida gets 20 seconds to rest and and make some substitutions and then it comes out a little bit fresher and makes that stop on fourth and one. I get it, guys. Unfair. That is not fair. That's not right. It shouldn't have happened. However, Tennessee still needed one yard, and it didn't get it because it got punked up front. Like, there's no two ways about that. Like, you have to you have to execute there. I don't love shotgun there. Tennessee does it sometimes, whatever. But I'm trying to say is you can't have those moments. And maybe you bring a Cooper Mays back into the lineup if you can get him this week, finally. Uh, you, you plug in Gerald Mincy there at the right tackle spot, and even though he's a knucklehead, maybe he gives you a better chance to win some of these games, and you get your your ideal lineup out there, the one that you envision going into the season maybe, and, or in the offseason that you envisioned, and maybe you fix some of that stuff. But, but for me, 
this game, there's a lot of matchups, right? Special teams, Beamer ball, always a factor. But uh, Tennessee is pretty good on special teams, too. D. Williams, no slouch. Tennessee's kickers are no slouches. Tennessee's also blocked some kicks, multiple ones this season already. So, yeah, that that's an interesting matchup. But for me, uh, and I talk about this with John, the single biggest matchup for me in this game, without question, is whether Tennessee gets Spencer Rattler on the ground. Um, because I know they're going to get in the backfield. I know they're going to create pressure. I don't know whether they're going to finish those plays by getting Rattler on the ground. Last season in Columbia, the pressure didn't quite get to him. Uh, he was able to kind of wiggle away from it. He was able to still step into throws, make some off-platform throws, get rid of the ball, and made incredible plays. And uh, you look at the difference between, say, Georgia and Mississippi State and uh, North Carolina this season for, 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 for South Carolina, the, the, the difference – Rattler was hit and on the ground in the losses. In, in the win, he was upright. That that's that's your difference. Um, you know, it's I think North Carolina sacked him nine times. You know, to bring in the uh, Ferris Bueller voice, nine times, nine times. Ben won't get that reference. That's all right. But that's you don't need nine sacks if you're Tennessee to win this game. But if you're getting into the backfield and you're getting Rattler on the ground and you're finishing plays that way where you're making him throw it away or you're sacking him, I think Tennessee's winning this game. Yes, absolutely. If, if they don't do that, then that means that they are a bad football team, quite frankly. And I did get that reference, by the way. Uh, but nice. it, it, it all starts It all starts in the trenches. That's where winning football starts at, at every level, in every game, in every competition, every championship. I mean, it all starts in the trenches. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line, like I said a moment ago, uh, it, it's got to set the tone along with the defensive line. It, it, it can't. South Carolina is not Georgia. It, it cannot get pushed around um, by by the Gamecocks. And, and, and they do have some some disruptive veterans up front along the defensive line. Uh, South Carolina does. Alex Huntley uh, was was the SEC defensive lineman of the week this past week for what he did against Mississippi State last week, Tonka Hemingway, which is a great name. Uh, he's also a good football player. Uh, th- this is this is a game that that is start it starts in and is won in the trenches. It's 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 just got to be able to set the tone along with the environment in the stands. Uh, but but obviously it's not going to come down only to uh, the the trenches and and how Tennessee plays up front. Uh, you you got to be able to tackle in space, something that you weren't able to do against Florida. Missed tackles were obviously a huge, huge issue in that game. Uh, the passing game has to be efficient. It's really only been super efficient for, for one half this season, and that was last week against UTSA. Uh, Joe Milton kind of banging his knee up is is somewhat of a concern for me going into this game. How healthy is he? I, I don't think he's 100%, so... Uh, and not that really any football player is 100% after a month of football, um, but I, I even for a month of football and, and entering October, I, I don't think he's 100% by those standards. So uh, Tennessee's offensive line setting the tone in general, but needing to keep Joe Milton upright. I mean, it, it, it's it's got to happen, and the receivers got to go make some plays uh, as well. So uh, a lot is going to go into this football game. It's a big matchup for Tennessee secondary uh, against Xavier Leggett. I mean, that's an NFL receiver. I know Juice Wells is is out there, quote-unquote, star receiver. But Xavier Leggett is also a star receiver as well. 
They have some tight ends that can catch the ball. They're getting their slot receiver back, their starting slot receiver that has been banged up a little bit this season. Uh, so the the secondary that doesn't instill a lot of confidence, they've, they've got to have a big day as well. Yeah, and, and they need to – South Carolina has not been able to run the ball very well. They need to – Tennessee needs to prevent that from, from getting going. Tennessee needs to try to make Carolina be as one-dimensional as possible and then try to take advantage of that. I do think that that health thing, and this might be one of the last things I have for this first segment before we get to John, but I, I think – there's a chance that we go back and think about this week and we say that we didn't spend enough time talking about some of the the Tennessee players who were banged up um, because I did get word Monday morning that Tennessee felt better about most of those guys than than it thought it would Sunday. I've been pretty clear about that. They they Those guys moved around on Monday and they thought, okay, yeah, a lot of those guys look all right, like they're going to be able to play. But a lot of them certainly aren't 100%. And, you know, Joe Milton's one of those guys. You know, you don't go get your knee scanned if you just get a little boo-boo on it. I know that they can say whatever they want. The way that knee bent on that play, um, yeah, they were going to take pictures of it just to be sure. And um, I say this because a couple years ago, if you remember, when Milton came back against Ole Miss and he had that play where he just kind of jogged out of bounds there at the end, he he still shouldn't have done that. But Joe Milton was playing with, like, some torn stuff in, in his ankle at that point. So what I'm saying there is he will play through injuries. He's built like a tank. He's physically very tough. But they may limit his mobility, may limit his 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 um, just the way he can run things. Uh, that could be an issue. Uh, I, I think if you go back and look at you could see he did not throw the ball the same after that game after he got hurt. He, he didn't. He, he, he went from being a kind of a surgeon to – Mm, that doesn't look very good. And it happened just as quickly as that play happened. And, and that was when he still had adrenaline flowing through the leg. Now you get back and the next day, man, it starts to bark at you, right? Like it hurts. And so is he okay? Do, do we know that for sure? The answer to that is no, we don't know because that's how Josh Heupel runs things. That's how a lot of college coaches run things. We don't know. We, we, we don't. Maybe he's fine. Maybe he's not. We're going to find out quickly on Saturday. And, and then some of the other guys like, you know, Ramel Keaton and Jalen Wright, we'll see about them uh, as soon as the game starts because they either made it through protocol or they didn't. So we'll see there. Uh, I imagine they went through protocol with those head injuries, um, taking some, some, some pretty tough knocks to the head there. I think there's a lot of guys who I think they're probably okay, but there's always a chance they're not. So this is going to be one of those kind of could be one of those strength and in depth situations, Ben. They they might need they might need all hands on deck. I think as a whole, Tennessee will be okay from an availability standpoint. Uh, I, it sounds like Cooper is actually going to give it a go. It, it sounds like uh, Gerald Mincy will be inserted into the lineup. Uh, I, I think Jalen Wright is is going to be okay. Um, Kelsey Pope spoke this week about the receivers being in a good place. Ramel Keaton obviously had a, a nasty head injury. It, it looked like when, when it happened on Saturday against UTSA. I, I think overall Tennessee is going to be okay and, and fine health-wise. Not that they're going to be perfect. It's Again, we've played a month of football. Somebody, more than just somebody, is going to be banged up and, and not 100% and, and 
I'm sure there will be one or two that actually aren't able to give it a go. But overall, I think Tennessee is, is okay with, with the major names that, that got a little banged up last week uh, against UTSA. Uh, but Joe Milton, not to sound the alarms, but that, that is something that I will be keeping an eye on there there in the first quarter on, on Saturday night inside of Neyland. Uh, again, not at all pressing the panic button, um, but I, I do think it is something – worth paying attention to and, and it's something that I will certainly be, be paying attention to in the first quarter on Saturday night. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things uh, about this game certainly. There's the the special teams matchup, there's the you know, can can Tennessee definitely prevent South Carolina from running the ball? There's there's all this stuff, but the last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here and get to John is how much if at all should Tennessee go into this game with some hate in its heart from last season? And the reason I say that is because there's two very different schools of thought on this. One of them is that you use anything you can for motivation to push you forward, and if it makes you even angrier, that's good. The second school of thought is uh, that doesn't help you at all because it keeps you from being as focused as you need to be on the task at hand. And you you just need to... You know, that that's more off season stuff. Like you're you're trying to push through conditioning drills in the summer, one more rep, you know, one more sprint, and you're thinking, Oh, that game at South Carolina last season. And then, you know, the coach or strength coach will blare that up or, or play a highlight of that, and then everybody gets all pissed off and then they go finish that last rep, right? I mean, that's that kind of stuff. But in a game like this, that's more for fans, I think, because players they all that juice might help you for the first couple plays of a game. But I had a coach years ago that I covered told me one thing I'll never forget, Ben. He, he talked about all that sort of the, the off-the-field stuff, the hype, the, the last-season talk or disrespect or bulletin board material. And I asked him why he's never seemed to care about that stuff. And he said simply, we were talking off the record, and he goes, well, Wes, that stuff is great for the opening kickoff. And it, it's going to get everybody all – the fans are all juiced up. Everybody's ready to go. The players are jacked up. Everybody, everybody's good. And then after that opening kickoff, the team that plays better is going to win the game. So I don't think any of that stuff matters at all. That's why I don't care about it. Put anything you want on a bulletin board. Doesn't matter to me. And and that's sort of – sometimes you go through things in life or your profession where you just hear something and it clicks. And it clicked for me there. That I'm like, you know what? I actually think he's right. I don't think it matters. I, I don't think it, I, if you play better than the opponent, you're going to win. And, and so if you're Tennessee, how much does what happened last year, how much does that inspire you? Maybe it does if you don't get off to a good start and it changes your mind to fix that. But I don't know, Ben, where do you stand on all that? Well, I think that loss to South Carolina last year was was definitely motivating. And I do think Tennessee took some notes uh, about how maybe – South Carolina was a little a little aggressive there at the end of that football game when that game was already won. I I do think some mental hypo for, hypo never and, forgets and that. Some yeah. mental notes were, were taken within that moment. Uh so I I I do think that this is a motivating game because of what happened last year, but you can't dwell on last year or else you will not play well on Saturday night. And I think Josh Heupel and the players have handled that perfectly when asked publicly this week. Uh, Jabari Small, I asked him if he got excited uh, when he flipped the page from UTSA to South Carolina officially on Monday, and he said no. 
it's just another game. And that was kind of the tone from the players this week. And that was also the tone from Josh Heupel. Uh, he said on the SEC teleconference that, hey, I, I love that our fans are using last year as motivation, but we as competitors and, and we on the field cannot think of last year's game because that will get us out of sorts. We have to be in the right mindset and the right framework to go out there and just play football well. And you can't play football well if you're dwelling on something in the past. You have to be able to reset. He says it all the time. Every single week, you have to be able to reset after every single play and go play the next play and execute. And you can't do that if you're dwelling on what has happened in the past. So, yes, I, I do think last year's loss is motivation for this year's game. But I think Josh Heupel and the players have handled last year's loss and that being a talking point as well as they could have publicly throughout the week. Yeah, and you did talk about some of the aggression toward the tail end of that game last season, and that 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 seems to me we'll know if Tennessee's leading late in this game and it's still being really aggressive, we'll have our answer there because you've seen this before, right? Heupel won't say much, but um, when, when certain coaches kind of – bother him a little bit, irk him a little bit, poke at him a little bit, like we've seen this uh, against Drinkwitz, where they have just put it on him late in the game, even when they were blowing him out, because I think that goes back to some of the stuff Drinkwitz had said in the offseason, right? I mean, he doesn't, Heupel doesn't forget this stuff, man. He won't He won't talk about it publicly. He's too smart for that. But that's where I think you you get into that. And, and if you're Tennessee and you're in that situation where you're you, you've got the game in hand, then you've had the week that you've wanted, so everything's good. And and I think Heupel likes to kind of twist the knife a little bit sometimes in those situations. He just, he, I think he has that in him. You know, he's a competitive guy. He he doesn't show it a lot, um, but he is an intensely competitive guy. You don't you don't get where you get from you you don't go from Aberdeen, South Dakota High School to you know Snow College or Weber State, then Snow College, and then become like the Heisman Trophy runner-up, winning a national title at Oklahoma. That doesn't happen unless you're a really competitive dude. And so, yeah, if that that that's the kind of stuff that I think that's when we would see it, maybe. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it'll be a fun game, and interested to see maybe what transpires if 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 Tennessee is able to to jump out to a comfortable lead. But the, we thought that would happen last season, and um, obviously that was not what happened. Spencer Rattler had an all-time performance. Uh, Tennessee can't let him do that again. Um, but but we'll see, right? That's why they that's why they go play the games. I think both these teams have a lot to play for. I think both these teams are good, not great, but good. And um, we'll see which one is better on Saturday night in the dark mode dark mode uniforms so looking forward to it ben we're going to take a quick break here we're going to get to uh, our good friend john whittle uh, from the big spur he's going to talk about this game from south carolina's point of view he's got a lot of good stuff to say as usual i imagine and uh, we will get right to that here after taking this break for product services and in-house ads here on the go vols 24 7 podcast hashtag ad Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. 
New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker and Ben McKee coming to you here from Knoxville, where obviously in just, uh, what, um, not long from now, 24 hours or so, less than 24 hours from now, uh, and it'll be less than a couple miles from right here at Fort Rucker Studio, Tennessee will take on South Carolina in a big, big game uh, that the Vols certainly want to win. I imagine South Carolina wants to win it just as badly. Very big game for big, uh, both programs. Uh, a couple of fan bases who have already tasted de- defeat this season and have not been happy with it. And one of these fan bases will be leaving very, very unhappy from this weekend. But that's how it goes. Those are the stakes at this level. The, lots, lots to discuss about, though. There, there's lots of fun stuff to discuss about this this weekend. And we'll get to that with John Whittle, our good friend from the Big Spur, covers South Carolina for 24-7 sports here in just a second. Before we do that, though, just a quick reminder, guys, quick request from our end. Please take about a minute out of your day right now, if you can, and uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening right there on GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this podcast. But what helps us out the most is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, Amazon, Anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. We do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. No complaints. But since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell people that are not your friends. Tell people that you see wearing orange anywhere. Tell people that you see at the grocery store. Tell people that you see walking the dog. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see on the golf course. I'm telling you, the stories that we've gotten about where other people have told other people about this podcast, it's amazing. And that's how this thing has grown at the rate it has. And it has nothing to do with us, everything to do with y'all. And you're spreading the word. You're spreading the good word. We appreciate that. Please do that. If you've already done all that stuff, thank you. We love you. And if not... I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Let's get straight into it, guys. Let's get to our good friend John Whittle from the Big Spur covers uh, South Carolina has for a while now. He's uh, he's kind of an old like I am. Uh, covers uh, South Carolina for the Big Spur. John, my man, how you doing? How you been? How's life? How's all that? Well, I'm not I'm not quite as old as you. I, I remember being at your 50th birthday earlier this month, and, and we had a blast. I appreciate you inviting me up, and it was great to see you and, and all the gang up there. Yeah, it's uh, I love how that thing has grown over the years, and my actual age is is it used to be like a four year difference officially that people said it was. Now it's apparently up to nine. So I'm glad that tradition is continuing well on into. Uh, whatever year it is, it is now. I'm old. I forget. 2023, I think. John, uh, how how are things right now for South Carolina? I imagine, and we've talked about this during the week, but but I, I looked at 
the minute I looked at South Carolina's schedule um, back, you know, as soon as uh, you, you go through the stuff in the summer and, and you start looking at around the league and predicting records and all those things and who's going to finish where. And every time I looked at South Carolina's schedule, I just kind of cussed a little because it just – it, it it's really really a nasty schedule. How how what were the expectations for this team going into this season? They had that optimism after the way last season ended. Brought Spencer Rattler back, great quarterback, but that schedule's it's just tough, man. Yeah, a- absolutely is tough. You you, uh, you there there are positives and negatives opening up against a ACC school or a power five school like, like South Carolina did this year in North Carolina. Um, and then you always got Clemson, Clemson at the end, but you know, if, if you lose that opening game, that, that can really, that, that, that gets you off to a sour start. And, you know, I thought, I thought South Carolina had a really good shot to, to win that opener uh, against the Tar Heels and just played really, really poorly along both lines of scrimmage. And you, you know how important those, those, uh, offensive and defensive fronts are we talk about it all the time in the sec and you know you got whooped on both sides of the ball by uh by north carolina up front and just what wasn't really expecting that one so you know it was uh and then then you got Furman uh, the next week who i mean is obviously an fcs school but you know top 10 and in, in the rankings there playoff team last year brought mm-hmm. everybody back um yes i mean it's it's difficult and you know i thought i, I thought I mean, I, I did think it was very reasonable to expect to uh, to win at least seven games, uh, potentially eight or nine. Like you said, you know, South Carolina brought back Spencer Rattler. Uh, quarterbacks win in this league, and, you know, as good as quarterback play has been uh, at times here recently in the league, you know, it didn't seem like there were, there were uh, a whole lot of great quarterbacks this year, at, at least not from – not from a, a reputation standpoint going into the year, obviously some talented dudes taking over at some places, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I felt like Spencer Rattler and what South Carolina could do offensively was going to be uh, to, to be able to lead them to some victories. And, you know, it's, it looks like a, a, a tougher challenge now to, to hit that eight win or so mark, or maybe even nine. John, how much pressure do you think is on South Carolina in this football game? Because from the Tennessee perspective, I look at it as South Carolina play, kind of playing with house money uh, just because it's on the road. It, it, the environment is going to be pretty crazy in primetime at, at, at night, uh, going to be a difficult environment for a road team to, to handle. Uh, but also with Tennessee losing to Florida earlier this month, after coming into the season with what I think was higher expectations than South Carolina, it, it feels like there's more pressure on Tennessee from, from that standpoint. So from the South Carolina side of things, do how much pressure do you feel is on, on the Gamecocks on Saturday night? Well, I, I don't, I don't think there's a, a ton of pressure or at least not more so than usual going into an, an SEC game. I, I don't know that uh, I'd say they're playing with house money. I mean, I, I feel like they have, they feel like there's a reasonable shot to go out there and, and win this one. And, you know, after losing that game against North Carolina, you're, you're a little bit behind the pace you want to be on already. I mean, I, I think most penciled in a, a loss to Georgia. I, th- I think, I think the majority of the fan base thought they'd beat North Carolina and 
and looked at Tennessee kind of as a as a toss up game, perhaps uh, with with Tennessee likely winning. Uh, that's that's certainly how I viewed it. You know, I had South Carolina three and two going into the bye week with the loss to uh, Georgia and, and Tennessee. So, you know, I, I wouldn't go as as far as saying saying that they're playing with house money or or something along those lines or no pressure or anything like that. They they uh, they they feel like they're behind the pace that they should be on and and certainly want to hit that three and two mark before going into the bye next week. Yeah, John, speaking of Tennessee, South Carolina, you know, this series has brought some surprises over the past, what, 20 years, more or less? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's been very evenly played. There have been so many close games both ways. There have been so many, like, mild surprises and then maybe a couple major surprises along the way. I don't remember ever being as shocked uh, as as last season. I, I don't know who could have seen that coming uh, because it seemed like going into that game, Tennessee fans were thinking they were going to go there and they were and the Vols were just going to put one on South Carolina and move on and kind of march on toward the college football playoff. And I think from what I saw, South Carolina fans were kind of on this in, in the same boat. They were kind of like, all right, it's a night game at Williams Bryce. Let's show up. Let's have fun. Let's, t- let's tailgate. Let's party. Uh, but let's not expect too much. We'll probably have more fun during the day than we will at night. And then the ball is kicked off. And uh, Spencer Rattler becomes a legend. Tennessee sort of crumbles, you know, kind of to put it politely, pees all over itself. And, and South Carolina gets off to a good start, and you let a good quarterback get hot, things happen, and South Carolina won the game, fair and square, no two ways about it. And uh, people mentioned Hendon Hooker's injury. That happened when the game was already – I mean, Tennessee would have needed a miracle to get back in the game when Hendon Hooker got hurt. That, that, was, that was a South Carolina win. I cannot imagine that there were many people in there – over in that part of the country, I say that part of the country, it's like, what, four hours away, but th- th- who in their heart of hearts saw that coming. Were you one of those people or or, or, or or were you one of those clairvoyant types or were you as surprised as the rest of us were? I was surprised as the rest of, of, of everybody. You know, I don't, there, there are very few people who actually saw something like that coming. Now, there, there are obviously some folks out there who believe you're going to win every game sure. and, and but you know, if you take a step back and look at it realistically, like why, why, why would anyone think that South Carolina could win that one after coming off, you know, one of their worst performances, or probably maybe the worst performance? No, not the worst performance. There have been a couple of bad ones, but one of the worst performances of the Shane Beamer era the week before, and just getting absolutely pummeled by Florida. So you know, it, there were there were no signs that something like that was about to happen. Like occasionally, you can. You can see some growth and, and and see that it's about to click, and but there was nothing like that in, in this instance last year. So, um, you know they they made they made changes o- over over the course of that week, and you know I think South Carolina fans were were very uh, were were already over kind of that that uh, the previous offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield couldn't couldn't do anything offensively for for the bulk of the time that he was here. And, you know, they basically what happened was, was they completely narrowed the, the scope of the, the playbook and what they were doing and, and what they were focusing on and, and, you know, cut down from basically 
two thirds of what they were doing in into uh, going into that week. And, you know, part of the reason there were so many problems offensively were, it was just so disjointed. It was, it was kind of uh, paralysis by analysis. And it was, that, that's what, that's what really kept South Carolina's offense from, from under, underperforming. You know, they were subbing guys in and out every play. Like it, it, it was, it was brutal to watch and, and things were much more streamlined uh, that week and in the next week against Clemson. So, you know, I didn't see it coming. Uh, there was no signs that anything like that was about to happen. But, but it was it was really impressive to watch uh, the the change week over week from from what what happened against Florida the the, the previous week to what happened that night in, in um, Williams Bryce Stadium. And since that moment, it seems like Spencer Rattler has just absolutely taken his game to another level. Uh, he was terrific in that Tennessee game. He was terrific the following week against Clemson. What has changed for him? Was it simply uh, getting confidence from from those two wins over Tennessee and Clemson, or, or did he make any adjustments to, to his game because he, he's parlayed those two performances into being the best quarterback in the SEC so far this season? I, I know Jane Daniels Daniels would like a word with that conversation. But I think when when you look at what Jane Daniels is working with, especially up front along the offensive line, to what Spencer Rattler's working with, I think it only <laughs> impresses you even more uh, what Spencer has done so far this season. Yeah, I mean Spencer was sacked nine times in that North Carolina game. This is one of the worst offensive line performances I've ever seen. Um, I, I I went I had to go looking back. I mean there there were no nine sack performances in in the SEC by any team each of the last two years, except for one in a bowl game. Like it, it was, it, it was awful, but, but yeah, back, but with Rattler, um, you know, I, I feel like he's at a different level this year than he was even those last two games last year. Like, I mean, I, I think that helped his confidence coming into this year. I mean, he had, he had some incredible guys around him last year that, that stepped up and played well around him too. Uh, but, but this year he's just, He's doing everything so much better at just a level that he has not done before. Uh, he's he's so much more comfortable with the offense. Him and uh, Dowell Loggins, South Carolina's first year offensive coordinator, have have a, a great trusting relationship. Like they they completely believe in in one another and in what's happening. So Spencer's got great freedom uh, at the line of scrimmage to to check into things, and and he's done a great job doing it. But you know what's what he's done so well is is just analyzing defenses and knowing what he's wanting to do uh, with with his receivers and his, his progressions. Like he's Dowell Loggins talked about it earlier this week. Like he's he's getting to his his third and fourth receiver like really quickly and 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 effortlessly. I mean he's he's seeing the field that well and and uh, you know you just don't see that a whole a whole heck of a lot from uh, from college quarterbacks and you know. It, I, I think so much of of why he's performing so well this year is from from the mental side of of it and, and the the analyzing side of it and and being able to do that so quickly because we've all 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 of us have always known he's he's had the the physical tools and that skill set. I mean that's that's why he was a five star player, one of the top players in the country coming coming out of high school. That's why he his his looked so good at times, but. But man, he's been he's been just so 
laser focused and so confident that that's what's kind of taking him to the next level. Don, I wanted to ask you about a couple of uh, Spencer Rattler's you know top targets. One uh, who will not play this weekend. One who who certainly will. Uh, I think we all know by this point. Most people on the SEC know what kind of a player Juice Wells is. And if you could talk about sort of what's going on with him there with that foot and how big that absence, that loss is for South Carolina. And the second part is obviously Xavier Leggett, a guy who uh, is in his fifth season at South Carolina and in this season has already, I believe, doubled basically his total career output until this point. I mean, you got a guy who had what, I don't know, 300 something yards uh, coming coming into this season for his career, he's already got 27 catches, 556 yards, three touchdowns. The guy can 6'3 and can just absolutely fly. He is a freak of nature. How big was that loss of, of Wells? How uh, impressive is Leggett and what's changed for him? And how devastating is it that this team can't have those two guys together right now? Man, it would be something to have those two guys together. I mean, Juice... Juice was uh, one of the top receivers in the league last year, obviously uh, all league player and, and, and came into this season, you know, thinking that, that uh, it, it could be another really big year. And, and I, I can only imagine what it would be like with, with him and, and uh, Leggett out there with the way that, that Rattler is, is performing right now. So, uh, but, but with Juice, he's, he's had a foot injury for a while and had, had surgery on it and had a screw put in there and you know it just he hasn't been able to heal quite right for for whatever reason and and uh he's tried to give it a go from time to time he he saw a specialist uh, a couple of weeks ago uh after after the georgia game and you know they're they're hopeful that maybe he'll come back after the bye week but you know when when it happens you know i'm i'm not real sure so it's, it's certainly disappointing for him to to not be able to uh, you know get out there and play like this is supposed to be his draft year right like yeah. he, he he came back for he came back for to, to improve that draft stock and he, he's not doing that sitting on the bench by by injury and of course he wants to get out there and compete anyway so disappointing uh, and, and disappointing for for neutral college football fans to not be able to watch a, a, a great receiver like that out there but uh, but but Xavier has really stepped up. Like I don't think anyone saw this coming. Like we we a lot of us thought that there would be a really good season from him this year. You know he's he's got all the physical tools. He's he's a he's a freak athletically. I mean he he ran the he was clocked as as the fastest runner this past weekend at at any level of football, mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill included. Uh, so you know he's. He, he can do it, man, and he he goes up and, and high points the football really well. Uh, he 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 can beat you in a lot of different ways, but you know his his problem uh, mainly over the course of his career is has been his hands, and you would never know it watching him this year. But la- last year, South Carolina was was playing SC State, and and had two balls go off of his hands. Now one of them was diving, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Uh, bag on him too much for that but he had two balls go off of his hands that resulted in interceptions for for rattler and you know it was he's just he's had problems catching the football but you would never know it by watching him watching him this season and you know i everybody talks about how hard of a worker he is 
uh, what probably the hardest worker, one of the hardest workers on the team. He, I mean, he sets the standard. He sets the bar o- over there. And I know he spent a lot of time over there on the jugs machines and, and working with his QBs to, to, to improve those things. And, and, you know, he's been, he's been phenomenal. So, um, you know, m- more power to him for, for working like that and, and, and transforming himself in, into what he is. John, what are your thoughts on where South Carolina's offensive line is at going into this this football game? Obviously, they have not played well to this point, um, but I, I think that matchup against Tennessee's defensive front is probably what determines the, the football game. Uh, and not to say that Tennessee's offensive line has been playing well either, uh, and South Carolina has some some terrific veterans up front defensively that have been really, really disruptive as well. But I do feel like there's a, a little more optimism with Tennessee's offensive line just because it looks like Cooper Mays at center and, and Gerald Mincy at right tackle uh, could be inserted into the lineup. Uh, so I, I, I'm kind of looking at that South Carolina offensive line against the Tennessee defensive front as as being the the biggest determining factor. Where are you at with the Carolina offense, and, and is there any – hope that maybe they can take a, a step forward, whether it, it be by adding personnel like Tennessee looks like it's going to be able to do uh, with Cooper Mays and Gerald Mincy. Well, they, they, they couldn't have started out any worse and it was only a little bit better against Furman, but you know, since in the last couple of games, they've, they've been a little bit better. They, they inserted a, a true freshman in at left tackle uh, tree Babalade, who that first start at Georgia was, 24-7 sports is uh, true freshman of the week mm-hmm. um, for, for his performance. He graded out at a 90.8, I think, from a pass blocking standpoint. But the grade was pretty darn low from a run blocking standpoint. And he hasn't been been the best at that over there. But um, the, the the three of the – or two of the guys in the interior, Vershawn Ver- Lee at center and Nick Gargiulo at left guard, both of those guys have been pretty solid uh, for, for much of the season. Um and, and right right guard, I think you're going to see another true freshman start this weekend in Trovon Ball. Uh, there's uh, the, the guy he's been kind of competing with, Ja'Kai Moore, who is a multi-year starter uh, and has been okay when he's played, uh, but just okay. Uh, he's He's got a little bit of a, I think it's a shoulder injury, kind of an upper body injury uh, that he's dealing with. But Ball has played a lot, and he's played he's played really well. So, I, I mean, I, I kind of think that might, might actually be an upgrade for – for, for there but you know right tackle has has been uh another another struggling challenging spot but they put Tyshawn Wanamaker in there a guy who has started there before as well into uh the starting lineup at, at right tackle this past week and I, I thought he performed at least okay uh, I thought he performed pretty well so I, I I think it's moving in the right direction but it's it's not going to be as good now as as perhaps it will be later in the year uh, I do know Tennessee's front can can uh, can cause some real havoc up there, and it's certainly going to be a challenge. South Carolina's coaching staff has has done a pretty good job in terms of uh, calling plays that that help the offensive line and using the running back and and, and tight ends to to uh, devote they're, they're devoting resources to, to helping out those five guys. So. Uh, that that's been helpful in in turning the uh, the performance around a little bit from from a blocking standpoint. Um, you know they they didn't perform great uh, on the road at at Georgia from a uh, discipline standpoint, from a communication standpoint. I think they had 
six false start penalties uh, on on the road at Georgia, um, and and some some times where you know just communication caused missed assignments, and uh, that's that's going to have to be cleaned up this week. And you know, with with two true freshmen out there, that's that's uh, not always easy. But but I I do think the group is headed in the right direction. But from a from a uh, this week standpoint, I, I think there could still be some challenges. John, is there a, a way you can explain how a South Carolina defense that um, really went there and, and over the course of sixty minutes played very very hard for thirty minutes exceptionally well and for thirty minutes not as well but for sixty minutes played very hard and very competently against Georgia between the hedges in a tough environment and then a week later at home in a more friendly matchup, you would think in some ways, um, gets absolutely torched by Will Rogers, who, again, is is about as underrated a quarterback as there is around. I mean, the guy, how many more yards and touchdowns does the dude need before we, we put some respect on his name? But he he kind of took it to South Carolina, made that a, made that a hell of a fight there in, in, in Columbia. How, how did a defense that did that to Georgia come back the next week and have that at home against Mississippi State. Was that just a matchup thing, or was that just purely not a good performance? Um, you know, they Mississippi State came in with a offense that was leading the league in rushing attempts, and a uh, a back who was leading the SEC in rushing yards. And I mean, it, it is a smaller sample size, obviously, being having only played three games at the time. But you know, they were. They were kind of selling out to, to stop Jaquavius Marks, and and they left their secondary, who they feel really confident about and really really good about. Uh, mainly, th- those guys are, are are mainly veterans in terms of you know how much they've played. Um, you know they they kind of left it to those guys back there, and they <laughs> Mississippi State torched them. You know they came out and couldn't run the football and and just reverted back to. To, to pitch it around the park. And, you know, I think South Carolina was a little bit slow to, to make adjustments, but they kept hitting on big plays. And, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me right this second, but I mean, they had, they had a couple of, couple of, they, they had, a, they had, I think it was, it, I think it was five plays that were over 40 yards uh, in, in the past game and just were absolutely torching South Carolina out of the slot position with, with uh, a Tulu Griffin, who is 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 an incredible, known as a incredible uh, returner, yeah. kickoff returner, but he's certainly made his mark in at Williams Bryce Stadium from a from a receiver standpoint. So they were able to to get him in a favorable matchup. You know, they, they, South Carolina had a safety who was who was playing nickel in that game. Um, you know, a lot because he thought he'd be doing some run stopping, but, but uh, South Carolina had a safety playing, playing nickel and he, he got burned a good bit. And you know, that was, that was kind of the biggest deal. And, and as the game went on, uh, they did some things to, to uh, negate that. And, and the, the big plays weren't there as, as often. And, you know, South Carolina was able to get some defensive stops later, but you know, it was, uh, or, or at least slow them down too. Instead of having having uh, you know seventy yard gainers uh, for touchdowns, you know Mississippi State actually had to drive the field uh, and kill some clock. But you know, I, South Carolina's defense isn't as as bad as as what it looked last week. But it was it was certainly it was certainly a really bad week. I, I do anticipate 
things looking a, a, a lot better and, and, and probably a little bit more like it did Georgia week this coming weekend. John, when, when you look at this game on, on paper, what are the matchups that you feel are in South Carolina's favor that, that they have to take advantage of? And, uh, and then what also gives you kind of pause for concern as well in terms of South Carolina's chances of winning this football game? Well, I, I, I feel like South Carolina is going to have to put up some points in this one. And, and I, I do think that South Carolina's got an advantage when, you know, Spencer Rattler's dropping back. I mean, you all know better than me, but it doesn't feel like Tennessee's secondary has, has been been great this year. And and uh, I do feel like South Carolina is going to have opportunities there, whether it's with Xavier Leggett or, or you know, I, I feel like a Marion Brown is, is going to be back th- this week. He's had a little little hamstring injury, but a Marion Brown, I, I think, is a good matchup for, for South Carolina this week out of the slot. He's a shifty guy who can make, make some people miss in space and, and can really run. So, you know, I, I, I do think that South Carolina's got got an advantage there when they're able to, to get some time and pass the ball. I, I, I will be a little bit curious to see how much helping they continue to do with the tight ends on uh, as blockers. You know, they've they have two really good pass catching tight ends and in, in Trey Knox and Josh Simon. And I think they want to, I know they want to get those guys out in pass patterns more quickly uh, going forward. So we'll, we'll see how, see how that works, but that's going to be, as, as you noted earlier, exactly. Uh, or that's going to be a big factor in all of this, you know, how well South Carolina can protect Spencer and, and get him some time to get, get the football out. But, you know, I, I think that's certainly where, where South Carolina sees its biggest advantage, and and uh, you know I, I don't think that South Carolina is going to be able to get get much of a run game going. Uh, there there really hasn't been a whole lot happening around here from a run game standpoint. You have a a, a guy who has never played running back in his life is is the starter. Uh, he started at quarterback and then went to wide receiver and is now running back over his now six year career with the Gamecocks and and to carry on Joiner and. You know, the, your other guy who, who may actually start this week is a, a D2 transfer from, from Little Newberry College here in, in South Carolina. So, um, you know, I, I, do, uh, I, I do think that that's a big advantage for, for Tennessee is, is being able to, to contain South Carolina's run game and, and make them one-dimensional. And, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, when, when that happens. We'll, we'll see what the Vols can do with, with the pass. Yeah, I think about uh, little old Newberry College there, and I and I kind of have a, a rule here, John, that any any college that um, that talked to me about playing baseball twenty years ago should not be uh, beating SEC teams <laughs> in anything, and uh, Newberry falls under that distinction. So uh, I hope and I'm glad he was at least an All American there, and uh, and I, I kid, I mean the, the guy's a good football player, and uh, he's going to have a big game or two this season at some point. Um, but we're, we're not going to take too much more of your time, but I do have just um, a couple more things. One of them is we've kind of danced around the issue talking about alluding to that performance at Georgia on a couple of occasions. But what does a game like that do for a team's headspace coming into Neyland Stadium at night? Now, I'll preface that by saying we've all been to Sanford Stadium. We've all been to Neyland Stadium. Sanford Stadium at 
during the day is not the same level of of piss and vinegar as Neyland Stadium at night. It, it's just it's not like it's a different it's a different kind of vibe in a lot of ways. Both are loud though, and, and both are very problematic for for opposing offenses. Needland at night's just one of those places that it's hard to think. It's hard to hear yourself do anything. And I'm wondering still though. Georgia is a better football team than Tennessee has been certainly for 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 a while now anyways. So going to Athens having that performance um, that's got to make a team feel pretty at least better than usual coming into a place like the Stadium I would imagine. Yeah, I, I think it's certainly helpful. I mean, South Carolina was up 14 to 3 at the half and it wasn't anything fluky going on. Agreed. Like they Agreed. didn't block a punt for a touchdown or or have a pick six or or any any there was nothing dumb. There were no there was no weird football. South Carolina just went out there and and whooped them for for thirty minutes. The the problem was was Georgia came back and whooped South Carolina for thirty minutes. So the the second half and Georgia's whooping was a lot bigger than South Carolina's. So you know that was the difference in the game twenty four fourteen and but you know I Georgia went out there and won it in the second half. Like I, I'm not sitting here saying that that South Carolina cost themselves a game or anything like that. But there were there were some mistakes and some dumb plays and, and some just general happenings in football that, that really changed the game that were probably that that were probably very avoidable for South Carolina. So I know that they feel like if they clean some of those things up, then you know they're they're right in that game with, with the chance to win it. So, you know, if you go out there and have those some of those things cleaned up and don't make some of the, the mistakes or bad calls or errors that, that, that you have. I mean, Xavier Leggett, who has been phenomenal this year, you know, he, he came out of the, uh, out of the end zone for on a kickoff return and got tackled at the 15 and there was a holding penalty on, on it as well. And South Carolina started to drive at the seven yard line uh, right after Georgia had hit a couple of big pl- pass plays uh, to open up the second half with a touchdown and, you know the crowd was was rocking and started the next drive in in their own own uh, uh, own territory and went down score a touchdown and all of a sudden South Carolina's losing. But you know if you just if you just uh, call for a fair catch and take that ball at twenty five yard line, I mean the, the the dynamic in that stadium changes because you've been moving the football the whole game and all of a sudden they've got all the momentum in the world. So you just, if, I feel like if, if you make some better decisions and clean up a few things and then, uh, you know, South Carolina is right in that game and, and they obviously will, will uh, be able to carry that playing that way in Sanford stadium into this week. They've, they've got to have a little bit more confidence, but, but as you said, this, this place is going to be rocking this weekend. Uh, tomorrow night, and and uh, it's it's going to be a, a little bit different level of challenge, I think, for for four quarters. Well, John, I, th- I think I think Ben's good with the questions that that he wants to ask. So I'll just end on this one. We certainly we, we could talk Tennessee South Carolina football forever, but I, I promise we'd try to take only about half an hour or so of your time. Uh, what matchup in this game? It's a two part question. What what matchup in this game? is the single most important to you in terms of a, of a win or a loss for either side. I'll, I'll tell you what, what mine is. I don't know if you've written read everything we've written on the site this week or things that we've said, yada, yada. Probably not. That's a lot of words. But I think that for me, I know Tennessee's defensive front and front seven. I know they're going to be in the backfield. 
I know that they're going to do what they normally do. They're going to apply pressure, and they're going to throw some blitzes out there. I know Tennessee's front four is good. I know Aaron Beasley's a great blitzing linebacker. I know they're going to be in the backfield. What I don't know is whether they're going to get Spencer Rattler on the ground. And to me, if they get Rattler on the ground, they win the game. If they don't get Rattler on the ground, they're going to have to score 45 points to win this game. And, and, and that, to me, to me, there's so many intriguing matchups, like can South Carolina run the ball a little bit to kind of protect Rattler? Can, there's special teams both ways. Beamer ball, Tennessee's good on special teams. There's a lot of X factors there, and I'm fascinated to see which one you think is the biggest because I, for me, it's whether Rattler gets on the ground because if Tennessee does that like South Carolina or like North Carolina did to South Carolina, then I think that's the, that's your ball game in, in, in Neyland at night. But that's that's – my opinion on it. I'm fascinated to see what yours is. Well, I mean, I, I, I feel like a big deal for what's going to happen this weekend is, is how, how Joe, how Joe Milton plays and, and how South Carolina can, can, can uh, affect, affect his play, I guess. Cause you know, he's got all the physical tools of, of anybody out there, but you know, there's been some, some good Joe and, and some bad Joe, some inconsistent Joe. And, you know, he's, he, Probably in in my estimation, and y'all know this much better than me, but it doesn't seem like he's he's uh, scrambling as I mean, heck, he doesn't seem like he's scrambling as as much as, as Spencer Rattler is, and I mean no. Spencer Rattler seems like a up. more effective runner right now, and he's dinged and, up now uh, too, yeah. right, right. So you know, which, which Joe Milton shows up to the park, and how is South Carolina going to be able to influence which Joe Milton shows up to the park, and 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 how well the defense is able to handle him like if if uh you know he's able if if Tennessee can get their run game going which i i i get is a, a big part of this issue too like south carolina's run defense has been been pretty terrible for for a while and they had a really good game last week because they were selling out to stop the run which led to all those 50 yard passes that they were giving up and you know south carolina's trying to fight find the right balance de- defensively and you know i don't I don't know really what this this defense is going to look like this weekend from from that standpoint, but how South Carolina is able to attack defensively because, like you said, you know what Tennessee's line is going to do. Like they're gonna they're gonna be able to get into the backfield and they'll be able to get pressure with just their front, but they're also going to throw some blitzes out there. So like South Carolina can't do that. Like they don't they don't have the 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 guys on the defensive line um, for the most part. They they've got a guy or two, but they don't have have a bunch of guys on the defensive line who are winning one-on-one battles. Like it's, it's been a little bit disappointing from, from that standpoint. You don't have the, the defensive end, like on a, on a third and eight, when you know the other team's passing, who you, you, you know, your defensive end is going to get in there and, and, and cause some havoc. They just don't have those guys. So um, I, I just, I think it's going to come. I think a lot of this is going to be uh how well South Carolina can can uh, can play up front too when they're just rushing four guys, and you know that's been that's been uh, very hit and miss, mainly miss uh, so so far this year. And um, you know South Carolina, Tennessee's got got a really good run game there with with Wright and 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 uh, and, and um, Small, Small and, and Samson, and, and all yeah, guys. yeah, and, and Samson. So you know it's. Uh, I, I I just feel I, I feel like how South Carolina can can play up front is is going to be really really critical in, in this too because you know 
the the linebacker play has has been a little inconsistent as well. Uh, Stone Blanton has has uh, been the highest graded player on defense from by Pro Football Focus, and he's also been the lowest rated defensive player. Uh, he and he's South Carolina's starting middle linebacker. So it's uh, that that how South Carolina does things defensively, just from just from how they want to attack Tennessee, is going to be kind of fascinating to me. It reminds me of a time uh, there was a full season when I led uh, the baseball team in batting average and strikeouts in the same year. That's sort of like uh, really, there, you talk about highs and lows. That's uh, that's a roller coaster ride within a season. But uh, John, John, last thing I got here before I before you tell us all, all how we can uh, get a hold of you, we'll do that at the tail end here. But uh, what what do you see vis-a-vis prediction in this game? If you don't want to make a full prediction and you want to save that for, for the good folks over there at the Big Spur, totally understandable. But I'll be honest, uh, the line being where it was um, made me uncomfortable. Uh, I, I didn't – I never thought – it it, I, it seems to me like that's just a recipe for Vegas to maybe lose a lot of money, but I, I don't know. But what do you see as the uh, the most likely scenario for for this game? Well, we we put out our picks uh, about six or seven o'clock on on Friday night, and I'd be lying to you if I said I've I've finished mine up. I've got to take my car when we get off the phone up here up to the up to the dealership and get a little work done, and figure I'd finish up my my uh, my work up there. So. I haven't put the final touches on it yet, but I've got Tennessee winning by by about ten. I think it'll end up being a a two score game in in favor of the Vols, and you know I I think that there's just too much against against the Gamecocks in in this one from from uh, you know an atmosphere standpoint, an offensive line versus defensive line standpoint, and I I feel like that's going to ultimately be the way it goes. So I don't I don't know what the offhand what the over under is but you know i'm gonna be somewhere in that uh mid 30s to to mid 20s kind of range um right 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 in there for in in favor of the balls yeah i think by the time this comes out we will have had our picks we're recording this uh, at 11 15 or 11 a.m on friday started at 10 a.m or so on friday and I, i i think i've probably got uh around an eight point win i'm thinking maybe 38 30 tennessee something around thereabouts so i i don't know exactly what i'm going with yet and i need to because that's supposed to run for us in about an hour so i need to to get on that uh, don't shake your head at me ben i see what you're doing um but I, i'm i'm used to your ways at at this point it, it's a weekly occurrence uh I, i've got 31 28 I'm, I'm going close close win for tennessee and Neilan, I I think the atmosphere and the environment is the difference in a, in a close football game. Yeah, I have a hard time thinking either team, like both, like either team won't get to thirty. But I don't know. I I I could be wrong. I mean, the the only scenario that would totally shock me is South Carolina hammering Tennessee. That going into Neyland that night and hammering Tennessee. That that would be a surprise to me. A close game either way wouldn't surprise me. If Tennessee gets going with that 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 offense and gets the Avalanche going, South Carolina doesn't play well on the road. I could see Tennessee winning comfortably. I, I could. There's lots of scenarios I could see. Um, I don't think I'll. I don't think it's going to be a Carolina ass kicking for the second year in a row. I don't. I don't have that on the bingo card. But 
We'll see. I didn't have one on the bingo card last year, did I? And we'll we see how that, all that worked out. I don't think any of us did. And the gang cops were like, we got a surprise for you. So you never really know, I guess, John. That's the fun part about it. But before we get out of here, John, please tell the good people how they can get uh, your work. Uh, tell them uh, the website, the socials, your social security number, your address, your bank account number, uh, all that stuff. Well, I, I will add that game from last year really helped the big com, which is, is where you can find me. The, uh, we, <laughs> we, we set our page view record that, that Sunday by about 50%, nice. which was just no, absolutely nice. incredible. So we really appreciate the, uh, the, the, the balls for, for helping out the big com there in, in that one. So we'll rely um, the appreciate that one. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, you, you can find me on the big com, 24 seven sports, obviously, um, Twitter handle, uh, John M Whittle, uh, there for, or X or whatever we're calling it. I still call it Twitter. I don't know what y'all do. I do too. But, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's pretty much it right there. You'll, you'll find me on, on the site more than on, on, on Twitter. The, uh, the, uh, the, the big spur CBS 24 seven, they, they write my paychecks. Um, I, I, I have yet to get one from, from the X from, from, from Mr. Musk. So, I'll, I'll spend more time there than, than I will on the Twitter. That makes all the sense in the world. And John, thank you as always for your time. We always get you for football season. And at some point we might, we might need to start getting you for other sports as well. I know uh, y'all cover baseball just so exceptionally well uh, over there at the big spur. You do a great job covering all that. It's a great baseball program. Um, and, and Tennessee has suddenly put on its big boy pants as a baseball program and decided it's going to be good again. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, we need to get you back on more often, man. We always appreciate your time and, uh, safe travels this weekend and we'll see you here, bud. Appreciate it. Great, great chatting with you guys. And I'll see y'all here in, I don't know what, 36 hours. I can't do the math. Something like that. Thanks, John. Looking forward to the sleepover in Neyland. (laughs) Yep. Take care. There's that button. And now I can say. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial 
And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. About to set it up. New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violin Island, you got it. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.